RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Well, folks, a few days ago, I was meeting with my team and we were talking about, you know, questions and and, uh, issues that might be grinding the gears of the average person. And I said, look, there should be someone out there we can call to find out what those issues are. Like, you know, somebody who's sort of kind of representative of the average person. And then and someone piped up and said, how about off-grid Tom? Who? Off-grid Tom. I said, okay, all right. Um, I said, who's he? And they said, he's off-grid. He's off-grid Tom. So I said, all right, that sounds like an interesting thing. And they gave me a contact. So I'm going to try and connect now, and it should be going through. Are you there, Tom? Yeah, hello, Tom here speaking. Uh, who's us? Is that off-grid, Tom? Uh, I am off-grid. That is correct. Who am I speaking to? Tom, off-grid Tom. It's Paul Brennan from Reality Check Radio speaking. Have you heard of us? Uh, Paul, I actually have. I have heard heard of you. The um, lot of advertising and stuff and billboards around the place. It's been uh, it's been great. You've probably seen me on the back of a bus with other people. <laughs> Next time I go to town, I might see it. Not under a bus, on the back of a bus. Yeah, <laughs> there's a difference between being under it and, and on the back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so look, Tom, somebody knows you because I I was instructed or told after you know chatting about this in one of our little meetings that if we wanted to find out what the average person was thinking, what was grinding their gears, off-grid Tom is your man. They've given me the contact details. That's why I'm calling. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Um, Most people who know me would know what grinds my gears. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, this is excellent. I'm glad that uh, we've managed to connect and, um, and we've got someone who can, you know, Tell us what the average person is thinking. What is, like I say, grinding the gears? There's plenty to grind out there at the moment. So, Tom, are you up for? Are you up for this? Absolutely. Bring it on, mate. Let's see what you've got to ask me, and I'll tell you whatever I think about it. And from the bottom of my heart, it'll be an honest answer. Okay, it's an election campaign. What what part of this campaign is grinding your gears? Uh, What's infuriating you? What don't you like about it? I would say, and I've had this uh, argument with a number of people from the probably from that so-called right side of the political spectrum who tell me uh, that COVID's over, let it go, we need to move on. There are many more important issues to deal with than COVID, and we just can't seem to see eye to eye on this on this topic. So, what are the more important issues, Tom? When when you talk about this with them. Are they citing more well, important issues? Well, this is issues? what I, I tried to explain, and I'll list them. And, and we just actually had a conversation today with somebody about this, and they said, oh, oh co-governance is more important. Uh, crime is more important. The state of the health system is more important. The state of the education system is more important. And I, I do, I fully agree that every one of those are very important issues. And But what I did point out was, think about the last two and a half, three years, and you tell me which one of those really important issues hasn't been massively negatively impacted by the COVID policies that were implemented by the Labour government. We know the state of our health system, and much of it was to do with mandated people mandated out of their jobs. Uh, we know much of it was to do with the policy of testing. If you test positive for COVID, you had to take seven days off work. Um, the education system, kids missing out on education, and now they're struggling to get kids back into school. 
Uh, they, on, on every level, everything has been negatively impacted. Probably mm -hmm. the biggest one for me is that I see it. I'm 64 years of age. You can tell by my accent, I'm not originally from New Zealand, though I've been here for 30, coming up 33 years. Uh, I'm originally from Northern Ireland. I lived through the worst part of the, the violence in Northern Ireland. I, I was 11 when that started off, and I left in 1988, just not long before the Good Friday group. So I've, yeah, I've seen my fair share of stuff, and I've just I've looked at what's happened in New Zealand in the last three years, a country that I absolutely love with a passion, and I'm just in a state of astonishment at what was imposed, but the biggest thing being apparently nobody wants to talk about it, and none of our politicians, apart from Winston Peters, and there are those out there who will come out and say, and I understand why they said, oh, he's 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 taking advantage of a, he's just a, a, a political machinations, and I'm going, well, yeah, and that's that he's seen an opportunity. Why are the other parties giving him this opportunity? Why have they left this vacuum? And I've written to every politician from every party that I can think of who could potentially give me that answer. I've had one or two answers from a couple of them that were very disappointing, to say the least. But the majority of the response has been, no, we don't want to talk about it. And I'm presumably I'm in their block folder because now, no matter what I write, I just don't even get an acknowledgement that I, they got my email. Reminds me of that Rod Stewart song, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it really How you broke my heart. <laughs> Yeah, yes, uh, I'm going. It's got to be for pretty much everybody who's alive today. What's happened in the last three years is the most phenomenal event in pretty much everybody's lifetime, in my opinion. Yeah. So why do you think? Um, because here's the thing: if you're going to lead a country, good point, and you ignore not just the elephant, but the herd of freaking elephants in the room. Yeah. Then are you fit to lead a country? Well, my, again, my my part, of, my point of view on this, when I've had these conversations with those that will engage on the subject. I, I just I said something that's momentous is what has happened. And we, no matter, I think most people now acknowledge that there were lots of horrific abuses of human rights and lots of people suffered pretty badly for totally innocent reasons. Uh, and I'm going, there are some things you just can't forget and move on. I'm not asking for an apology. I don't need an apology. My life was detrimentally impacted by it, but not to the extent of some people. Uh, but I just want an acknowledgement that, okay, yep. And, and, and particularly for the opposition parties, I look at them and I go, you have to get out of jail free card. You can say, listen, we supported it at the time based on information that was supplied to us. Uh, but we realize now that there were lots of huge mistakes made and we will certainly look into it in great detail when we get into power. But they've just blanket refused to actually even even say it even happened. And that just, that, that just, that, that just dumbfounds me. Okay. Why do you think that is then, off-grid Tom? Why do you think they refuse to acknowledge that when it is it's a reality, it's so obvious? Yeah, they weren't in power, but they didn't. They said nasty things, a lot of them, and they never came out and met people whose lives were being destroyed. Perhaps that's what happens when you've got a guilty conscience, Tom. Do you think that's it? I, there's, there will be That will be part of it, uh, but then that tells you a lot about the for, uh, moral fortitude uh, uh, of, of people. That's To me, as I was always taught, uh, if you've made a mistake, own it. If an apology is required, do do so. And, and then, generally speaking, we can move on. But this, as I say, in this situation, I personally don't need an apology. Some people deserve them, uh, but all I want is acknowledgement. And that's what makes, makes me struggle now to think, who am I going to vote for? Because nobody, and this is the one that stuns me. There's a, apparently, I said, 121 politicians in the New Zealand Parliament, and 30% of the population supported those who protested in Wellington. I was one of them. 
And 30% of the population supported what those people were down there protesting about. But apparently there is not a single representative in this parliament, apart from Winston, who has come up at this opportune moment and spoken up. And I've been glad to hear it. But there's not one politician who can speak for all of those people who were at Wellington and the 30% of the country that supported their protest. See, to me, that's not possible, pulling a function in democracy. That's um, North Korean levels of censorship and shutting down of, of, of open and free debate. So the question, Tom, then, that we that um, you, you're prompting me to ask myself and ask everyone else is, how could anyone vote for people in such denial? Such denial. I can't. I I, I had a position. I can, just, I can just let you know, I come from a very working class yeah. part of Ireland. Um, I grew up, we were poor, put it like that. And I broke away in the 80s, sick of the troubles, sick of the lack of opportunity, went to England, worked my way to New Zealand. And now I live in a really beautiful part of a beautiful country. But I've been Labour supporter probably all of my life until about five years ago. And uh, so I'm looking at these other parties and going, just just all you have to do is do the right thing. And the right thing is acknowledge that there were there were really pretty bad things happened and done to people, which were wrong on every level. And I think most right thinking people understand this. So this idea of keeping quiet. I can only get part of me, but I'm not a politician. I'm not. I'm not that way inclined. As I know about their hear about their focus groups, and they have these people who analyze everything and tell them what they should or shouldn't say. I can only presume that their feedback is that it will cost them more votes to say anything. So they're better off to just say absolutely nothing. Um, David Seymour astonishes me. I think he probably slipped up because he came onto your show and he spoke to you, um, and he was thinking one on the platform as well. And he, I think he, well, he didn't incriminate himself. He actually, he just said things that I was, because I was close to giving my vote to act. And then when I heard him say that, um, and I've had, well, he's just one person I've had an email from. And he basically told me that the vaccines didn't kill anybody. COVID did. And the one that really galled me the most and really ground my gears was when he said, New Zealand has negative excess all-cause mortality. And you and I, and any person with a few brain cells realizes that what he did was statistical manipulation of the most deceptive kind. Because if you were to take the same figures and go from the rollout of the vaccine, the increase in all-cause mortality and the reduction in life births and the increase in disability all correlates perfectly with the rollout of this vaccination. And I am not saying that that caused it, because as we all know, <laughs> correlation is not causation, but there are way more than enough alarm bells going off that this should be being looked into. But no. So all I can say, Paul, is I presume these people have been advised by the people that they pay lots of money to advise them to say, listen, say nothing. So what you're saying this is one of these. So what you're saying is um, type of things. What you're saying is they're prepared to go for power by denying morality. Yes, and that's for me. I have grown up, I think, so I'm not anything remotely close to a, a perfect life, but my parents taught me the most basic things that I, at the time, didn't really understand. But as I got older, I realized. And that, and the biggest one being, you know, my father would say to me, if I did something that was maybe I shouldn't have done, and then I tried to deny it. And he would just go, look, just own your stuff. You know? and, and, and everybody can make mistakes, and everybody's allowed to make mistakes, but all you've got to do is own it. 
And if you own it, the, the vast majority of people will give you that next go and say, okay, now let's just don't do it again. As you said, what's the old one is to say, uh, you do it once, it's stupid. You do it twice, now you're starting to get sadistic. Just really, that is where my massive dis... First of all, it was complete and utter astonishment that these people couldn't... Um, how is it possible to not speak about this? How is this actually... It's just not possible. And then I realized, I started to understand after, like I've had two and a half to three years of this, I've been very skeptical of the whole COVID thing. From, I think from the first day I saw the video of somebody dropping dead in China and I went, yeah. no, 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 that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. and, and then that sent me down the rabbit hole. I was never in a rabbit hole. I've had every vaccination in my life. My wife's had every vaccination. My kids have had every vaccination until this happened. Uh, my wife also, she worked in marketing back in Auckland back in the day when we lived there. And she said to me, she just knows from experience because pharmaceutical companies were part of the people she dealt with. And she says, no, this isn't right. She said, there's, there's never, this is a, the record for a vaccine getting to market is about six years. And the average is about eight to 10 years. It can't be done. And anyway, that's so I, this is so, my, when I, and then I wrote team, I wrote emails, I wrote to politicians of every, if one party wouldn't write back, I went to the other party, I went to every party. And I got one or two responses, which I've got on record. And one day they might make interesting reading. But you could see that as you started to nail them down and ask them direct questions that they couldn't weasel out of, suddenly the communication just went, it just got shut shut off. That was the end yeah. of it. And one other thing that um, that you got me thinking about, because you mentioned, you know, that um, the excuse has been that we were being told certain information by experts. And that's what we thought we had at the time. We thought we had this terrible emergency on our hands. But here's the thing. Yes. New Zealand was six months behind the rest of the world. All of us were getting information from all over the place about yeah. adverse reactions, possible deaths, um, the fact that um, it didn't stop transmission or stop you going to hospital. We knew that a long time out. And they're yeah. trying to tell us that they didn't. Okay, they might not have known. But how can you have people vying to run a country when they are that ignorant of facts on the ground at the time. You can't have confidence in someone running a nation if they're that oblivious to information. It's dangerous, isn't it? It's hundred percent. Look, it's it's, not, it's beyond. It is. It's it's North Korean um, style censorship, which leads to totalitarianism. Once you start shutting down free speech, um. And as you say, I, I can I can look at the, the whole makeup of Parliament, and I'll imagine let's just say seventy five percent of those people in there are just very happy to have that extremely well paying job, and a lot of them are what we we all refer to useful idiots. They're just told what to do, they right. go along, don't rock the boat, get the money, and and thank you very much. But the people at the top, very few of them, the people making the decisions, very few of them can say that. They could have possibly said it, like you said at the very beginning, you'd give them a bit of leeway. But the longer this goes on. And the longer they refuse to acknowledge, the more complicit they are in basically what was huge, massive malfeasance. I think, um, if you don't mind, we'll call again off-grid, Tom. Next time we have a a question or a um, or we're wondering what is grinding the gears uh, hey, of the well, average person. Yeah, absolutely. Like, honestly, it's been a pleasure to get that off my chest because there haven't been many people I can say this to. So you've given me a, a, an opportunity to offload a little bit. It's been a pleasure. Cathartic experience, was it? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Okay, well, we will call again. Off Grid Tom. Thank you no so worries. much. Nice to meet you. Sorry to call out of the blue, but hey. Uh, not a problem. I was doing nothing but playing darts anyway. So <laughs> I said, well, distraction was playing it's badly. in the morning. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. We'll be back to you sometime soon, Tom. Thank you so much.
Thanks very much, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.